I'm Lacey. And I'm Kippen. We're two friends who love to get lost inside a great story. And we're welcoming you to our own little book club. This is One Page More, a podcast. Hey, here we are. I am really excited about this book. We are going to talk about Girl with a Louding Voice by um, Abby Dare, who is a Nigerian author, and the book is set in Nigeria. Um, you brought this one to the table, and I'm going to say, for whatever reason, I was skeptical. I think I just was prepared for, like, the the sads, <laughs> like, the intense, the intensity and the sadness um, that must go along with a 14-year-old girl who goes through hardship in Nigeria. And this book is, um, I mean, it's heavy, but it was not depressing. It was so, so good. I have seen this book everywhere. And as soon as you, like, read the blurb, the, like, basic blurb is kind of like, um, Aduni is a 14-year-old um, who is uh, pretty impoverished. She's sold to be a child bride. And then you kind of, and I think maybe kind of leaves like that. The second <laughs> I read that hook, I was like, yeah, this is for me. There is something about, like, a, a person like if a, a well done life story that is so different from my own that I'm like, I just love reading about it. So I, I had high hopes for this book and I'm so glad that this book lived up to the expectations because this book was so wonderful. This is going to be one of those books that I'm going to like, I have to recommend left and right. Oh yeah. I was looking back and I'm like, I think out of this entire season, this is the book that I would recommend to almost anyone. Um, like we've read some really good books. Don't get me wrong. But like out of everything, I felt like this was the most interesting. I read it the fastest, like, and just super inspiring. Like something I really want people to read. I wonder if you're going to feel the way that I did. So like, I, I love this book, but maybe my top read um, this season has been a firekeeper's daughter, but I kept thinking of the parallels between the two protagonists. Mm-hmm. I just kept because it's kind of like you said, like the they just they go through tough things, but they always have this like level of optimism that is really yeah. hard in real life. I feel like to maintain, unless you have a certain kind of personality, and um, uh, Miss Dare and uh. Angeline Bully, they just both like hit it just right for me where it's like they struggled enough but had like this overwhelming um kind of like joy in their hearts and just like resolve to like look forward ahead and like be positive about it that I I just love it was just so nice to like not be you know just dealing with like deep misery and yeah and that whole thing yeah so anyways I totally agree. The one way that this book trumps um, the other for me, Firekeeper's Daughter, because you're right, I think they're really good pairs. And especially if you've like just read that one and want something similar, or, you know, vice versa. Um, <sighs> Firekeeper's Daughter felt fiction. 
You're in right. a way yeah. that this book, it's like, I have to check myself. Like, I know it's made up, but I also know that this has to be so similar to many, many people's real real lives. Um, there's a lot that happens to the protagonist in Firekeeper's Daughter that I believe happens to real women and continues to happen. But there's like almost this like, one there's like a little tiny bit of like mysticism in that book and which is great but it it just feels like a like an adventure mystery and this book feels very grounded like very real this book to me felt so true to life when i got to the end of the book um the author had like her acknowledgments and there was a point where she talked talked about a dooney when I read that, I was like, this cannot be based on true events. And I was immediately <laughs> trying to look it up. But then, like, you know, if I'd have, like, read on to that next sentence, like I did later, she actually just talks about, like, how she heard the voice in her head. So, like, obviously, it's fictional. But I was that ready to believe that this book oh, yeah. was based upon reality. Because, yeah, I, you're definitely right. It strongly feels as if it mirrors what, um, like, Nigerian girls and women must go through. It was... It was heartbreaking at times. It was like, I laughed. I can't even tell you how hard at some of the <laughs> raw and just like funny ways, but it had like, it was wrapped up in this, like in, in the, this like naive viewpoint, but yeah. I just cracked up. Like there was just so many great and like sad and like a very nice spectrum of emotions going on for me in this book. Yeah, Aduni's little spirit just shone so bright. Like, she was just a little light. Um, So this book, just as a, you know, blurb for you, you've got Aduni. She's 14 years old. She is the daughter in her family. She's got two brothers and a good-for-nothing father. And her beloved mother passed away a few years back. Um. Her mom was really keeping the family afloat with her own little business, selling things in a market. And they've struggled hard ever since. Her dad is like kind of a drunk and just doesn't work. And Aduni really tries her best. She's very protective of her younger brother. Anyway, her dad basically is like, hey, uh, we're going to be able to get lots of money because I'm basically taking a dowry for you and selling you as a bride as a third wife to this guy in town and um aduni is terrified and she doesn't want it she wants to go to school she wants to be a teacher she wants to be bigger than what she is um she ends up getting married off and then the story kind of rolls from there of her experiencing life in this as a third wife and then later kind of escaping that and um being as like basically a slave in a household and just trying and striving to find a way to better her life and become a person with a voice definitely she is constantly clawing and just doing so much and like we said just all with this like amazing attitude and throughout the book one of the things that I love so much is it was sprinkled with tons of 
facts about Nigeria and like like sometimes literally facts but then sometimes you know I'm like there's like there's such a big world out there just I loved all of like the cultural references and and just like the many different things that they would talk about and yeah the book itself for me absolutely without question is a five-star read like oh totally I mean this book was so great so easy to go through and just and, and just enjoyable even through the hardship it was like oh, i've got to know what's happening with the duty next like I, like what is she gonna do yeah i think i i rated it as my top read for the season so far because this is the first book that when i picked it up i did not want to put it down and honestly that's kind of a rare thing for me these days like I've got a lot going on and there might be something that I love or especially if I've read like 40 or 50 percent then that last 50 percent that I'm racing through but I just felt like this one from the first chapter from the first couple pages I was just hooked and I wanted to finish it as quickly as possible we can roll into should you read it or should you listen to it I did try and listen to it um and at first I was really excited I think for the for the right person that it is worth picking up the audio the audiobook um but the woman who narrates has a really really strong Nigerian accent sometimes that's great and like it definitely adds like flavor and character beyond just reading it on the page because it's like it's written in English but there's like some pigeon style English too because a lot um, yeah right uh, because I actually read this little blurb from the author she's like you know knowing proper English is not a sign of intelligence which is so true and it's something a theme in the book that actually like frustrated me so much <laughs> for a Dooney. But um, anyway, I did think the narrator did a good job, but because her accent was so thick, I needed to listen to it at like normal speed. And I just happened to have the physical copy because you and I had picked it up from the library. Um, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to like pick it up and try. And because I wanted to go faster uh, and so I just stuck with the with the hard copy because I just I finished it in two days. I mean, just a couple sittings. I feel like definitely because of the <laughs> I felt really kind of dumb for the first couple chapters. It was, you know, just the just like the vernacular. It, it was just very mm-hmm. hard at first for me to like you know, just kind of sit there and be like, what the, like, you know, just kind of think like, okay, like she's meaning this or whatever. Um, so I definitely would recommend, yeah, reading, just reading the physical book. Um, and two, it was sometimes too, I just was, I, I wonder how it would translate. Like I said, there were just so many like hysterical moments that like weren't meant to be funny, but just like flat out were. Yeah. I'm like, I, I don't know how that would have translated into audio because it was just like you know it was just I don't know just just a random thoughts that she would think that would just like crack me up so much totally um I will say the other like maybe ding for me against the audiobook was that the author or the the narrator sounded like a full-blooded woman and 
I, in my heart, while I was reading it to myself, like, Ajuni is not only a 14-year-old, she is so young. I mean, she is very, (laughs) yeah, she's very naive. She's, like, very spirited, very, very sassy, like, kind of in a way that only a very naive little girl can be. It's almost like, you know, when you're talking to, like, your 10-year-old or your 6-year-old or something, and they just say stuff uh, because they don't know any better. But I liked that I could have her in my head feeling a lot younger than the narrator felt. Yeah, very interesting because I can't imagine an older person really doing her her voice because, yeah, she was so young. And, and that's like, you know, that's kind of the whole point of the book, too, is like that just through her being young and like the experiences, like, you know, she just hadn't had them. And so that would just played so much more into how devastating things felt at times. Yes. So this book, the as soon as it starts off, you know, the, what I mean when I talk about like her, um, her, she just had so many graphic descriptions. Yeah. When, when she, you know, more like the first opening scenes is at some point when Adoni finds out that she's getting married off and she goes to her room and she's talking about like how her, um, her brother, AKA born boy, this is the eldest brother has the mattress. <laughs> and she's like, yeah. oh, I'm not jealous of that mattress. Cause the bed bugs come out. And I was like, what? excuse me but like she writes it in a very specific like you know like there's a hole in the mattress and there's no sheet on the mattress and the bed bugs crawl out but only a bit and I was literally like I oh skin, skin crawling I think she also mentions him like ripping a huge fart in his sleep <laughs> like yes many a time <laughs> which you know like there is like a childish element to the way she views the world. And it's important though, to the story of like how she understands things and like uh, it, it works so well because you immediately understand like that born boy is spoiled, even though he is still just as low as the rest of them. Like it's, it's almost like, ridiculous but he is still like spoiled and she does so much work around the house and she's okay with that to a large extent but at the same time she's immediately sticks out as very different from her peers and from her family in what she desires for her own life absolutely yeah so with her friend he started with an E. What was her name? Uh, hold on. Oh, no. <laughs> this is exactly. <laughs> I have to, like, scroll down and read her name. Enid. And, of course. I'm thinking Enitan. Enitan, I think. Enitan, okay. Yeah, just like her friend Enitan, whenever she finds out she's getting married, like, basically, like, she's lamenting. Like, I've got to marry this old man. His face is like a goat. Um. Like, I can you believe it? And she's like, yeah, but, like, aren't you, like, that's amazing. Like, good for you. Your family's going to get fed now. Like, you're going to get married. And she's like, I just want to go to school. Like, what are you talking about? It killed. It literally, it was really hard to read through this and realize that there is not one single person who is on her side. I mean, no one. I meant to do this. What we should have started with was the very, like, intro of the book talks about how, like, this book, matter of fact, and this is what I should have remembered, 
but I believe it says something like it's not based on any specific person, but mm-hmm. this is like the life for, let's see, <laughs> over a hundred million Nigerians live in poverty on less than $1 a day. And like, you know, kind of like saying like, this is like the life of these, like, you know, a hundred million people like being so poor that they're just willing to, I mean, being poor and also having a archaic mindset where they're just like, well, we don't have any food. We've got four daughters. So we'll just kind of auction them off as they get 12 to 14 so that we can, you know, sustain ourselves better. And I believe somewhere it does say that, like, you're not supposed to get married when you're as young as 14. Yeah. But people definitely do. But that polygamy (sighs) is legal. Oh, no, see, I didn't realize. I mean, it makes sense, obviously. Like, like we Yeah, it's one of the Nigeria facts, and it was weird. It was, like, fairly, you know, recently that polygamy was, you know, it was placed Outlaw? back in law that it, you could have multiple wives. Oh, wait, you, so you're saying that it was once there, it was taken away, now it's there again? I guess so, yeah. That's crazy. I mean, from our perspective, I mean, that is so crazy you know now and then of course we have as soon as she gets married it's like the second wife was definitely kind of like i felt like you know wiping their brow like one more person Mm -hmm. to help take care of this man totally so she gets married to um maruku marufu marufu yes she gets married to marufu marufu is just as gross as you can imagine like the way that she describes is like hard coconut belly and like him drinking before having sex with her and her and again the mattress i'm like put a sheet on the mattress i get that you are poor but i mean this man has got two dang cars you know he's living the life of luxury according to the um what was it itaki the villagers Mm -hmm. and then i was like sir there's no excuse Please. <laughs> Please. So he he has an older wife, Labake, and then he has his middle wife, Khadija, who's like in her early 20s. But he has all daughters. And so he's basically married Aduni because and you get the idea throughout the whole book that Aduni is beautiful, whether or not she recognizes that. And she's much more womanly than um her personality would lend it to you to believe um but and that her mother was very beautiful but like he just wants her to give him a son and she is so terrified of getting pregnant and like she even goes to her friend before and like asks her like will you come with me to like beg my father because maybe maybe if you come with me he'll like actually listen and that's when she's like why would i beg like this is the best thing for you (laughs) right she's like yeah your mom died and y'all have nothing and so you can get married and it's just gonna like take all of your worries away yeah (laughs) not like oh you're gonna be tied down to you know taking care of marufu's daughter is her (sighs) like is the same age as her yeah like it's insane to think about it's so gross so, like you said, we talk. It talks a lot about Aduni even living at home. She's a really hard worker. She does a lot for the family. She immediately gets married, and she has to like do all of these, like 
you know, wifely duties, which a lot of it too is just like taking care of all of his other kids and like helping out and all mm-hmm. those things. In addition to like being his like bed slave three nights a week. And I, as soon as it starts talking about Labake as the senior wife and like, you know, it talks about like how she's dealt with infertility, but the main, you know, like in this mm-hmm. culture, it is so like, you know, it's just such a deep shame upon yeah. the people and like where she is like turns into like a I don't know like a a raging like crazy person and like she's out to get Khadija and Aduni at like every chance they get as soon as it started with that I just kept thinking like how can you like she's how, how can you live this way like you know if, if a like for, th- for the rest of her life where she yeah. can't use the woman's stove she can't like you know quote cross this woman in any way or this woman's literally like you know walking behind her with a stick ready to like beat her like she's her own child yeah whenever i was reading this i'm like okay we're still so early on the book surely this book is not going to be about her entire life as like a third wife like she's got to have an escape somewhere but how um or who's going to be her savior type thing um and it does happen but like the other theme in this book is like it's it's hard because there's a lot of evil people in this book or just people who i would say everybody with the exception of like three people in this book are out to get a dooney and anyone else they can like so selfish so self-absorbed and so abusive and it's just like this pattern that you see over and over again where I guess it's just like the culture but it and it's hard for me to say like oh you know even though the male characters do horrible things it's the female characters attacking her and not being on her side that wound me the deepest, especially somebody like Labake, the older wife who just like is so jealous of this literal child who did not like choose this life, who is like sobbing, crying, like the lowness of that is just beyond. It's something that I can't understand and it made me very happy that Khadija the middle wife really becomes like a big sister for her and she even says like yeah she's she's like my new mama because she like you know rubs her back so she can go to sleep and helps her braid her hair and like gives her food and like helps her you know get some kind of rudimentary birth control like all of these things and she really takes her under her wing so I'm like at least you have like a spot of comfort it just really goes to show how you know and it doesn't she doesn't do like any huge huge things other than the birth control Mm -hmm. but just like showing like just like a spot of kindness like how it is so rare in her life where someone you know does minor things and she at one point is like I know that my mama sent her to me because I needed someone and my mama mm-hmm. couldn't be here. And I'll tell you that lot of killing me. <laughs> there's there's this other part where she gets basically Labake is about to like jump her and Labake's daughter, Kike, who is the same age as a Juni, 
kind of intervenes and like takes the blame for something that she didn't actually do. But I mean, Aduni didn't do it either. So there you go. And they have like an actual conversation. And Kike talks about the fact that she wants to be a designer. Like she wants to um, design clothes and is like kind of gives Aduni this pep talk like, oh, you want to be a teacher? You want to learn? Well, then you need to do that. You need to do that in your heart. You need to be a teacher in your heart. Like no one can take that away from you. Find any book you can. You know what I mean? Like, I, and uh, I think she like, just gives her the motivation to work at it a little at a time. And right. She, while she's drawing her stick dresses yeah. or, you know, like <laughs> in the dirt and you're like, yeah, girl, you go for it. That's right. Um, eventually, gosh, the whole Khadijah storyline is so oh my sad. to me i like i knew there was something yeah you know th- this whole time it set it up khadijah this great person she's got these three little daughters matter of fact i felt so bad too the author never even goes into like the three daughters names i know and i just i literally was like this just it just shows the um like how bottom of the barrel like you know these, yeah. these these poor children are and like Marufu oh my gosh hold on. I was going to read this quote that killed me that I loved um, where Khadijah is talking about um, her so okay so whenever they're talking about getting pregnant Aduni says to Khadijah my stomach cannot be swollen every year because I'm looking for boys to give Marufu the only thing I want to be swollen is my head and my mind with books and education <laughs> and then Khadijah says you want to fight with your educations. Good for you if you can do it in our village. Me, I am fighting with what I have inside me with my stomach for getting pregnant. And, like, you know, she's talking about, like, how for her to keep her own, her mother and father alive yeah. because they're so deeply poor that, you know, she had to marry Marufu. Marufu tells her, like, you better give me a son or I ain't sending nothing. So she's like, you know, she's like, all I've got is my womb. And like this, this, my fertility and my chance to have a son, and like that's what I'm doing to keep my family afloat. I, oh, man, the it constant made, sacrifices of these people. I know it made me really think about like, okay, if I was in this situation, would I be a Khadijah or I, would I be an Aduni? And like, if certain things hadn't happened would a Dooney have become the Khadijah? And yeah. I can honestly stay, say that when I'm thinking about myself as like a 14 year old, I am almost positive that I would have been a Khadijah. And it's because like, even while I'm reading this and like all of the things that a Dooney ends up doing, like the spunk and the bravery and going against literally every probably instinct and thing that she was taught is so intense. Do you know what I mean? Like she she really like puts she, herself out she there. She bucks the system yes, constantly. It's for like sure. she she does not go by the status quo. And that is kind of what killed me so much in this book, too. It's like you're saying, like, with Labake, and we find out later with Big Madam. It's like these people that are so, they're hurt themselves. They're extremely mm-hmm. hurt. But they just go along with it. And, like, it, it is cultural. And it is, like, um, like, they just can't. 
Like they just the patriarchal society that they live in, they just can't do it without a man. Like they yeah. just there's just certain things that you just have to do culturally. But yeah, like the way that they would just treat people was so hard. And then for Aduni to kind of it's not that she didn't care because whenever she was getting physically, she got, I mean, she literally was beaten so much. And I don't mean like an occasional slap. I mean, like physically right. hurt all the time, but she still kept that, that like, like she just had this inner strength yeah. that just made you just cheer her own so much. <laughs> it's true. And it's like, I mean, I, I'm not faulting Khadija for doing what she's doing and not doing what, Aduni ends up doing because it's like yeah you have your entire family like waiting on you to send the check home like how do you walk away from that kind of thing exactly Um, like she knows they'll literally just starve if she doesn't basically like provide in the way that she can which is just by having children right so Kadisha ends up mentioning that like she thinks there's something wrong with the baby she she knows in her heart that it's a boy but she just feels like something's wrong and she wants Aduni to come to see the midwife with her. And Aduni is immediately just like, like, I feel really nervous about this. Like, I don't know. Well, before they even leave, Marufu's like, be sure you're home before it's dark. Like, you know, there's very strict limitations. And like, you know, she, she knows that she's got to kind of quickly be back. And they jump mm-hmm. on this bus, and poor old Khadija. I was like, if she dies on this bus, I know if she does. And I, I'm trying to figure out what I think was wrong with Khadija. I'm guessing it's like preeclampsia or something. That's what I thought too. Um, so yeah, right. Khadija um, starts really, really deteriorating quickly. They pull up in a neighboring village, and she asks her to go get a man named Bombadelle. Bombadelle. Um, and she's like, oh, I thought we were here to see the midwife. And she's like, please just go. And so she, she yeah. runs and grabs him. Um, she finds out later that Khadija has, like, used to love this man. Um, that his family has, like a, like, a family curse where, like, they only have sons, but you have to bathe in this river, I think, like, seven times or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Some kind of, like, stup- superstition kind of around that. And... Yeah, so she they go to the river, or like they're right there at the river. I did, I didn't really get that part. Did I misunderstand? So Bama, she's basically like slept with Bombadelle to try and conceive a son, and he's like, "We gotta get this special soap, and we gotta give her a bath, or else her and the baby are gonna die." And so they take her down to the bank of the river, and he like splits because he's like, "Oh yeah, I have to get something," and just never comes back. And at some point, like at that time Khadija dies and this is like the wildest thing to me to like even try and wrap my mind around is that Aduni is so terrified to even let anyone know that Khadija had passed because they'll immediately think that she killed her because she's the younger wife and I'm just like in what world you know what I mean? Like, it's like in, basic... the, in the, I mean, in the world of small town village Nigeria, with tons of, like these, it really talks a lot about like people are very superstitious, and they yeah. just, they, like, they just, like, you know, like for instance, one the one of the main reasons too, she gives two or three anecdotal stories about mm-hmm. like the archaic justice that they're using, where it's like, oh, 
um, you did this. Well, we're going to beat you every single day until you die. Like yeah. literally we're going to give you 40 lashes a day and you know, maybe by day 18, you'll just kick the bucket and like, that's it. Like, right. So or she's so-and-so tried to run away from her arranged marriage and then she came back and was beaten <sighs> to death and then never left her house again. Or whatever. <laughs> These like um, rot, terrifying like stories. And one of the facts, so we get like actual facts in the story that was one of the things too was that like a couple of um um people i think like college students were visiting somewhere anyways they were accused of thievery and were like beaten to death Jeez. and then later it had like all came out it was like oh that actually never happened <laughs> you know i'm like oh right wow. so anyways. khadijah's death sets off this string of events where she basically decides to go back to her father's house and like beg him to help her and then she kind of double backs and is like okay this is actually not a smart idea and she just starts to run and she ends up at this woman this old woman's house Aya um I lost the thread here a little bit I guess that her mom had helped this lady whenever she was alive quite a bit um and so Aya kind of like shelters her for the night and connects her with her brother who ends up being a human trafficker? <laughs> Listen here. Listen here. So, Paul, like, part of the time while she's with, like, she's just there, like, overnight. Her dad, yeah. like, comes over with her brother, Caius. We didn't even talk about Caius. Caius or Caius or Caius, whoever. Yeah, her yeah. younger brother, who was, like, it, her relationship with her younger brother made me think about how I always thought about my younger brother, who I was always, yeah. like, my baby. I very called, sweet. Yes, just, like, very, like you know they're they're very endeared to you and you know and at one point like he like lets her escape and so i was mm-hmm. like oh yay she's gonna she's gonna have like a better life like she's not gonna be this third wife and then it's like bam mr cola comes up and it's like i'm gonna set you in this house and don't worry every three months you're gonna get paid i'm gonna pick up your check and i'll deliver it to you yeah the the second i read that, i'm like please please say something and a Dooney, again like reverting back to like her youthful mindset she's like oh it's a great idea like okay that's fine i'll see you in three months and you're like honey you'll never see this man again well and he even says like oh and if you're really good maybe she'll send you to school oh right her greatest ambition and she's thinking that that's actually gonna happen um she gets to this like very fancy house apparently there's a lot of millionaires in nigeria uh and so there's like just a huge gap between rich and poor. Um, but she rolls up to this house and meets Big Madam for the first time, who is just a wretched, terrible drag queen looking <laughs> um, overlord and is told, okay, every single day I expect you to clean this house from top to bottom i'm talking you better scrub the grout with a toothbrush in the bathrooms that i never use you better go out and pull the weeds even though i have a gardener you better do it all with a smile and you better and i'm gonna feed you once a day i can't the level of abuse it's just crazy you you mentioned i was trying to hold off whenever you're talking (laughs) about labake and like her cruelty yeah this this woman later they they try they try yeah. to kind of give you these, like, you know, things that maybe you should feel a little sorry for her because she has been through some stuff. But I was like, I am sorry. She's sadistic. 
I don't, I don't freaking care. The level of, yeah, just, I mean, deep cruelty to just this Mm -hmm. woman. She was like, I expect you to be up four and five o'clock every day. And she talks about like how she's working till usually seven, but some nights till midnight. She's working 20 hours a day on a single meal. Not only is she working on 20 hours a day on a single meal, but every single day she is physically assaulted. Oh, let's not forget that she doesn't receive a single dollar of her paycheck that her, um, that the man that sold her basically comes and like retrieves. Right. There's just something like there was a moment where she mentioned, um, big Badham like beating her with a shoe and having a a wound in her side that like kept opening and like wouldn't heal properly. And I just, I mean, even as we're talking about all these horrible things, there is like still this, like, like, I think you said it perfectly when you said this um, joy in her heart or just hopefulness about a Dooney that, these terrible things happen to her, but the book doesn't did not feel depressing to me. It did. I mean, I don't know how she was, circumvented it, but she yeah. did. Yeah, she did. It Masterfully. Wasn't like, it wasn't like, oh, read this tragedy porn so that you can feel like your life is so much better and that your American ways are so much better because there's another character that we'll get to in a minute who does kind of represent the West and you're like, okay, you're kind of an idiot too. Like, I mean, you like her because she ends up helping a Dooney, but I don't know. We'll talk about Tia in a minute and you can tell me if you felt the same way about her. But um, anyway, yeah, she she does kind of make friends with the cook, Kofi. I felt like then, she really made friends with the cook. I honestly, yeah. okay, you can't talk smack about Kofi now because he was one of my top favorite characters. <laughs> I, I did like Kofi and I liked picturing him and who he is. And I felt like, she oh. wanted more. She wanted the friendship so badly, and she didn't totally understand why he couldn't help her more. But like, as as the reader, you can't. You do get it. Like, he was still kind of looking out for himself. Like, he didn't want to get fired. But then again, right. if he did get fired, then he wouldn't be able to help her at all. So I he, felt like him. He and, definitely walked alone. Yeah, yeah. Like he he was on her side and he was very concerned about her. He actually ends up finding about this scholarship that she would fit perfectly for and being like, you have to enter this. Like this is the only way you can escape. And I, I think that he gave her a good dose of reality too, where it's like, listen, yes, I know that this is terrible, but if you leave this house, you're screwed. Like you cannot go back to Ikatia, your village and this is a huge city like they will eat you alive type thing and I think that he's right like she's in a bad place but there's nowhere else for her to go well he too was just like you're you're right he gave her like a dose of facts where it's like oh you totally believed what Mr. Cola said that's a lie or yeah like watch out for big daddy he's probably gonna try to pay you some attention don't let him he's he i kept imagining him as um the fresh prince's butler you you know what what is his name gerald carlton no not carlton but um i know you're talking about 
Yeah, I kept thinking it was Gerald or something like that. But us, ex- <laughs> I kept thinking of him exactly like that. This like, yes. you know, um, you know, man from Ghana. And it's like, you know, he's really just there to build his house, and then he's ready to go home. It's like, you know, but he mm-hmm. and he's going through a hardship too. Like where they're also, I mean, maybe they're not as cruel to him, but they're still pretty cruel towards them. And so, yeah, I mean, he had been like a chef in an embassy house. Right, like a, a nice, prestigious, and then he gets, um, like he makes good money, but then he gets like downgraded to there, where yeah. like you know they're just literally treated poorly, like all the time, and like have yeah. very specific um guidelines what they can and can't do. But <clears throat> but yeah, loved Kofi. Uh, whenever he set, whenever he started setting her up for the the scholarship, I was immediately like, I hate to say it, but this girl ain't gonna get it. There's no yeah. way because she was. Like you said, and it talks about it in the book too. Knowing English is not intelligence. Mm-hmm. It's not. But the main way to get into this dadgum scholarship, you had to have an essay. And I just was like, honey, if you write in the way that you think, right. it, you, you just cannot <laughs> do it. They're not going to pick you. Well, and she, I mean, she had maybe like a third grade education. Like she loved learning so much but like she knew like her abcs kind of thing and like she knew how to read a little bit but oh my gosh and it like there are times when a duni is like again a dense is not the right word but you're like honey like just take what he's saying and really think about it like her not totally understanding why she should stay away from big daddy even though she had been basically sexually abused by her former husband so that to me i was like no hold on i don't buy it for a second i i hate that that was a qualm for me because i'm like she had been like you know she She should have the fear right she specifically preferred to sex as like being roughed or whatever so like in other words like it was like a not a good experience and i was just kind of like i find it hard to believe you have no kind of ptsd at all around like men especially like this slime ball that would kind of like try Mm -hmm. to like prowl around her room or like talk about how pretty she was or whatever i was like honey red flag should be going off left and right all i can think of is just like how trauma works and kind of like your brain will do a lot of tricks to save you you know what I mean like to save your sanity for example and so a lot of that stuff she might have already kind of like blacked out a little bit she wasn't actually in Marufu's home for all that long thank goodness like I mean it was just a matter of months like maybe three or four months um before Khadijah died but Anyway, when she's living in this big grand house, you also are introduced to Madam's like terrible social circle. And you realize that all of these people are just like, it's like the real housewives of Nigeria. It's like, but right, but in like reality of like terrible. And they don't, they don't all treat their servants poorly, but they don't really care that Madam does. Right. At one point, Madam um, is just in a fit of rage because Aduni is like shocked. Someone tells her thank you. And like she drops like the tray of like 
you know, appetizers or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pretty sure she like nails her on the forehead with a shoe at that time. Yes. It's like, pr- like in front of everyone. And the only person that's kind of like shocked is like a woman of a wife or the wife of a um, doctor that recently moved on the street named Tia. And she's like the only person that's like, you can't treat her like this. Everybody else is kind of like, huh? Like another day, another Rebecca. Yeah. When Rebecca is like the, uh, the former maid that kind of like disappeared and Aduni becomes fixated on where the heck did she go? Because in a way she sees herself in Rebecca of like, I'm wearing your clothes. I'm sleeping in your bed. Like is, is your fate going to be mine? And like, there's hints all along the way that like something nefarious happened to Rebecca in this house. Um, Tia is a very interesting character, but I felt like it was a perfect way for the author to put this like Western mindset into this Nigerian world because it's not like the white savior, like Tia is Nigerian, but she was educated and spent a lot of time in the UK. Um, and it's like <laughs> doesn't speak the local language very no, well doesn't no. follow the customs and she she immediately like feels for this this girl and connects with her and like tries to like get her some Tylenol and like clean her up and stuff but they have this conversation and she somehow mentions that like oh i don't want children and blunt little aduni is like oh why would you ever not want children like you could have like, you could be a wonderful mother. Like, who cares what your mom was like? And she just kind of drops her. Like, she's like, okay, I gotta go. Bye. Um, <laughs> she's like, but I can't then, handle like, this right now. A few days later, she turns back up. And, like, of course, Aduni is like, oh, my gosh, this woman is, like, so beautiful. And she has braces. And she <laughs> she's so kind to me. Like, you know, could not think more of this woman. And she showed Tia shows back up at the house to talk to a Dooney and she literally is telling a Dooney like hey I want to thank you because what you said gave me an epiphany that you're right like I could be a mother and like it's just I'm I feel so free now and like it just it grossed me out that she was somehow like confiding slash sharing her um I don't know it almost because of what she had to know was happening happening to Aduni every single day it seemed very weird that she would like unpack some of her stuff onto Aduni does that make sense I I see what you mean and so as their relationship progresses Tia begins to like help her um, discreetly like learn English better and then she's like has this one insanely traumatic experience where she's basically got the fertility (laughs) beaten into her yes oh gosh we got to talk about that in detail a little bit right but you know like so she talks about like oh like I feel what happened to you like um basically like I just I lived a day in your life and it's like yeah yeah you did my here's my main thing with Tia 
I lied to you a lot. Um, that didn't bother me as much. I was more like, I can't imagine saying this to somebody, something so personal as that to someone that you literally spoke to for 10 minutes at a party. And right. Like, like you said, you just like ran away. Like, I can't imagine, you know, having that conversation. But I kept thinking of it from a, okay, like you said, you know that Tia saw that she's being abused. If, if this is happening in light of everyone, how must it be in private? And she says several freaking times how she wants to help her. I mm-hmm. honestly was like, give me one good reason why you can't say, Aduni, come work for me <laughs> while I help you um, win this scholarship. I will teach you and let you work regular hours and you won't get abused. It is never even suggested in the book, not in conversation, not in Aduni's brain. And I kept being like, give me a reason why not. Give me a reason. Percent. She is perfect. She's not willing. as good as what she thinks she is. But anyway. no. And it's even like, of course, it's it's made even more ridiculous because she is. I mean, she like doesn't own a car because she's really worried about carbon emissions, and she only wants to have one child because she doesn't want to, you know, um, overpopulate the earth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, okay, all valid things. Like, yes. She works for like a global warming type um, foundation. And it's just like, but she, it's like, she just is so short-sighted in times or like there's this, this perfect scene where she is like a you have to come to the market with me or Mark. Basically a like, Oh, I could come to the market with you. And like, I could haggle for you. I used to haggle with my mom and she brings her and she ends up using a Dooney all day long. And a Dooney is just like a deer in headlights. Like so emotionally. Here is a Dooney, Kippen, <laughs> who hasn't made a dollar in over six months. And she is literally spending thousands of freaking dollars or na- yeah. na- whatever the dollar currency yes. is to to buy curtains. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, you know, she does buy her a meal. <laughs> But then, like, <laughs> yes. so, somebody from the club come, like, from the the women's club comes up, mm-hmm. and she can't even eat her meal till it's cold. I was like, go uh, back I out know. there and buy her something else, please. I, I know. And she doesn't. And you have a Dooney that's, like, so burnt out and, like, so yeah. overstimulated by this. And then you have Tia, who is, like, high as a kite that she's getting these amazing deals it's so fun. Like, I'm finally like, this is so authentic. Like, this experience. <laughs> and you're just like, woman, oh. open your eyes and look at this traumatized child who you are trying to make your BFF. Right. That I, I, I thought that many a times. And just like you said, she has all these like accolades that are supposed to like prove to us as a reader how great she is. <laughs> but she really is not help- like she helps a Dooney with, you know, she gives her a cell phone. Mm-hmm. She 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 sets her up with like, you know, little language. I don't even know, like just basically ways to, to learn past and present tenses. But I just kept being like, please explain to me why she couldn't come over your house. I get that she travels a lot, but I'm like, yeah. there's no excuse. Really? What? That did it frustrate you that she harped so hard? I'm like, ha, 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 a Dooney, you don't say that you say this. And like, <laughs> 
and and teaching like trying to have lessons with her like this is a past participle let's talk about tenses like all of this stuff where you're like can you not just have her write the essay and then you just edit it for her like why are why are we performatively trying to teach a grammar lesson right now when her freaking life is on the line I absolutely thought was that even Kippen at one point she's like I don't know you well enough to give you a <gasps> um, a recommendation and I'm like honey I get it unless she's a mass murderer though you can say <laughs> I, I support this woman I like th- this is after she literally watched her get physically assaulted it's like she's Seriously. not she's not saying you know, I need to move in your household and like be your housewife. She's saying, can I have a recommendation so that I can go to school? Because (laughs) I'm 14 years old. I've been a child bride and I've also been put in human trafficking. And totally. I mean, I know, but she was like, Kofi would have done it, but he's not a Nigerian citizen. And so it's like, this is her one shot. Okay. Let's talk about that scene because it really (sighs) shocked me her so okay after she decides that she does want a baby tia is like trying and trying for months and her rude mother-in-law is like well probably your problem like you need to be cleansed like blah 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 you're so snooty and wants her to do this ritual now her her mother-in-law is a fancy lady too she's not some like bush woman but again very superstitious like has these whatever cultural beliefs and takes her to this far off church um to have a bath that's supposed to cleanse her of infertility the bath and she brings a duni with her and the bath turns out to be these women stripping her naked by a riverbank and basically taking like palm fronds or like was it palm fronds or was it, was, it like well it was like little brooms made up yeah yes. like in, in the in the or you know uh twigs and things in the shape of right. brooms used to and beating the living hell out of her until she is literally scratched and bloody and bruised all over her body and aduni's watching this totally shocked and wanting to help her but just frozen her mother-in-law is all i was like the mother-in-law the fact that that woman did not intervene is unforgivable and she kept being like i didn't i just didn't know i didn't know (laughs) right i just that was so shocking to me and then the worst part is that later you find out that tia's husband is infertile that's why his first wife left him is because he's lied to her or at least kind of kept it on the dl that he can't have children to begin with and he is a freaking fertility doctor there were when it got to this point my mouth fell open as a person too that has like not been able to have kids without a doctor's help i was like listen several times throughout this book i truly did feel triggered where i'm like i would have no worth if i was to live somewhere like especially in these like like i just felt so 
deeply sad for these people that I'm like, wow, something that is truly so out of your control and that you really wish you could change. Oh man, that killed me. But yeah, that scene was so shocking. I still don't know where it comes from, but they kept yelling like Elijah as they like beat her with the brooms. And I'm like, Like, I mean, there was a big mix of a lot of religions. Like it talked specifically about, um, like Muslims, um, Christianity or Islam, Christianity, uh, and I, I guess like others, I don't know, native to Nigeria, but I just was like, where on this earth? <laughs> like, what is it come was from? like, yeah, it was like a Christian, Christian voodoo or something that they were doing. I mean, it was true witch doctor stuff. Um, I think they even said they're like beating the demons out of her that was like yes. holding on to the children or something. Yeah. And you're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> totally. So more stuff happens to a Dooney. Like basically Big Daddy tries to rape her, um, which kind of brings to a head. Oh, can I say one that happened yeah. three times when Kofi yeah. tried to like literally did come in and intervene. That's where I'm like, I will be a Kofi stan. Yeah, I, seriously. Him, him and Khadijah and, of course, Tia. Like, that was, I love that, you know, like, their storylines of them offering the help in hand to Aduni. Yeah. Because she, like, she just was so young and so untried that she just was like, you know, she, she just or didn't just know better. to the slaughter. Seriously. Right. And, like, they were just so helpful for her in, like, different ways. But yeah, anyways, Big Daddy, I've got to say another freaking time, this author describes him as like a balloon once you started letting out the air. <laughs> I, can't, I literally can't yeah. think of a half deflated balloon. It's like, like lumpy. Big Daddy. And then I'm imagining somebody calling him, hey, Big Daddy. But like in like a regular, you know, I you're know. just like, Ugh. oh, I just, yeah, I'm like, I. And then his name was Chief. I just was like, I right. need some, please give me some explanations on what this man is. You know, there's another scene that sticks out to me um, is that when Big Madam takes a Dooney to church with her and all of the little servant girls have to go into like, like they go to this mega church where all these rich people go and all their ladies maids have to go to a dirty squat hole in the back. Like she's like, Oh, these are, these are houses just like my village. <laughs> and she says they spent all the money on the front of the church and didn't have any money. For right. the back. I think somebody says it's like, it's almost like they went out of their way to try and make it awful. Right. <laughs> um, and it just like the the classism within the society is just outrageous and anyway aduni eventually like has this realization that rebecca the former maid had a relationship with big daddy and like got pregnant and either big daddy or madam you never really know kill like gets rid of her she's dead like well i mean madam swears up and down the oh, i just dropped her off somewhere she's fine but you get the idea that like they got rid of her somehow and it doesn't matter what she does because she is poor and lowly and has no power to bring justice with this family and one of the like the 
big scenes like where it kind of comes to a head is that um, Big Madam, you know, at this point, uh, Dooney has submitted her paper. She is literally like a week away, maybe yeah. maybe a month away from finding out whether or not she got this scholarship. Um, she finds out that Big Daddy or she sees Big Daddy in the room basically like coming to like rape her, but Ugh. she kind of st- intervenes. She picks up his cell phone and she, fi- like, of course, she finds out that he's been having another affair. That's also another huge thing we didn't touch on is that, like, he's, like... I know. <laughs> sleeping with the- tons of people. Can you believe, by the way, this was also another reason why I loved Kofi. He called this man useless and a hundred <laughs> other names. And I was like, <laughs> is Big Daddy not fixing to come around the corner and, like, slap you? I like, know. He, he, he did not care at all. I was like, okay, go off, sir. You, but- you know what? <laughs> I gotta. I do have to give it up for Kofi. Out of everyone that is on Aduni's side, Kofi's the only person that doesn't do anything exploitative towards Aduni. Like even Khadija. Like Khadija kind of threw her under the bus, dragging her out and involving her in this like nefarious plot with her lover. And then you have. Tia who's like using her as like an emotional support animal <laughs> in a way that's kind of gross but Kofi like he just wants to help her without like losing his lifeline I mean wow. which is understandable but he even says like there's one the night that Big Daddy like finally gets to her He's like, I should have known. Like, he feels so bad because wow. he had sent hurt him off, you know, to do something. He's like, I should have known. I should have never left. You know, he really is. He has her best interest at heart. Like, truly. Oh, no. Love you, Kofi. <laughs> um, but yes. So, oh, and after that big scene, at this point, too, it kind of talked about Aduni. And this was shocking to me. Like, she talks about, like, how she feels um she feels pity for big madam especially because big daddy like talks down to her he beats her yeah um there is a phenomenal line that i'm if i oh she said um she said i want to ask to scream why are the women in nigeria seem to be suffering for everything more than the men that's a direct quote that's not me messing up the grammar all that (laughs) but but you know where like she really recognizes that like okay big madam is hurting me because she's hurt and so big madam you know whenever she finds out that she nearly got raped like she turns him out she doesn't let him come home i right not despise big madam from start to finish but i did feel a little bit of like okay good for you and then it comes out that big madam actually turns him out not because of the rape but because one of her friends from her woman's club was actually his mistress. I was like directly under her nose. Mm-hmm. I was so like, okay, I had a smidgen of respect for you. And it was just like a pencil and an eraser. We're just like erase it right away. It was just like, okay, well actually you're about to be in trash. Yeah. And you, you know, of course, like you know, she should be embarrassed and hurt and that's, that's fine. But I was also like, you weren't bothered that he was fixing on like assault somebody Seriously? in your own home. <laughs> That you're I supposed know. to protect. She does vaguely soften towards a Dooney, but only enough that, you know, she's like able to eat breakfast, I think. <laughs> I can't remember. She, I, short, shortly after that, a Dooney ends up winning the scholarship, thank goodness. And then 
um, she does let her go, which I was wondering that the whole time. I'm like, is she going to have to like flee in the night? Uh, what's it going to Or <laughs> what's going to happen? Well, Tia comes over and I could not get over that Big Madam was like, oh, like you have been nothing but trouble for me. I literally yeah. was like, wait, name, name an instance. Seriously. <laughs> name a single instance. She has been a bother. Um, but yeah, the, I, the only one thing I will say about this book, I felt like it didn't give quite enough. Like she won the scholarship and it was kind of like, woo, where I'm like, wait a minute this scholarship can literally like turn her life around like right i felt like we because of all the things it was like rebecca's all kind of being uncovered Mm -hmm. um and like you know the the fertility thing with tia and like the presidential race like all this other stuff that i'm like okay i wish this would have been minimized and it would have made a bigger deal about a huge accomplishment like a finally like a big positive thing in her life yeah, that, that should have been celebrated so much more considering all of the trials and tribulations she went to to get there. Like, I just felt like that she should have put a much bigger emphasis on like her winning, where it was kind of like a teeny little blip and like, okay, <laughs> goodbye. I, I was satisfied by the end mainly because I got it. Like, I think she would have had to add a couple hundred pages to like make that arc work, but. I do agree with you. Like, I feel like maybe if she had had like one extra scene where she's putting on her school uniform or something and just like putting on shoes that fit her. Or can Tia please take her out to go buy some dang clothes or something? Yeah, I I would not. Especially because like the last actually it would have been a really good parallel because the last like makeover scene that she had was her friend who was obsessed with hair and makeup, you know, putting on this like garish eyeshadow on her so that she can become this child bride. And I think it would have been a really like beautiful thing to see her kind of have that makeover moment again, but on her terms and like in a totally different way. Um, On the other hand, it's like, Oh my gosh, like, are there are there more boogeymen at the school? Like No, I I <laughs> I, I don't want to believe heart, it. In my heart, Aduni went to that school. Yeah. She did, you know, all that she set out to. She found a great job. She later went to her village and she put in those solar panels and she taught all those girls and they got away from child brides. I'm like, I just have to believe. Yeah. That was another thing I gotta say I loved about Aduni is that she was constantly that she you know she had went through so much and this is where i saw the parallel with um from donis from uh firekeeper's daughter where Mm -hmm. she was going through her own hard things but she wanted to give back you know she saw the solar panels on top of tia's house and she's like i want to do that or there was another big thing i never think what it was but like she was like oh like i can take that to my village and that will really help and like some of them are like smaller solutions, but it was just things that, you know, they just didn't have exposure to that she just wanted to help out with. And I just yeah. kept being like, honey, you keep that attitude of service. I love Seriously. to see it. This book reminded me of, there's this book that I bought at a library sale for the girls. And it's about um, Wangari Mathai, who is not Nigerian. She is, I believe, Kenyan. Um, but she was the first African woman to win the Nobel Peace Prize. 
And she basically, like, had a very similar upbringing, but she ended up becoming, like, a scientist, and she ended up, like, trying to solve, um, what was it? Like, she went back to Kenya and basically was like, hey, we're eroding the soil and, like, destroying stuff, and she started um, planting trees and, like, a lot of people, like, attacked her and hated her. And she, like, fought really hard for women's rights and democracy and all of these things. And every time I read it, I just cry. And the girls are like, what's wrong with you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it just, like, I don't know. This These African women who are just, like, trailblazing and just have this fire in them I don't know I would highly recommend I cannot remember what that book is called but it is it's about Wingari Mathai so if you're looking for kind of like a little companion piece that would be a perfect one for kids Ooh, good book recommendation thank you for sharing um I was gonna say yeah this book was just so great I did, <laughs> I did scroll and see one last poem I have this book. It's it's a minor poem, <laughs> minor, and it's talking about Kofi. I've I've hopped about this whole podcast, mm. but one of the last scenes is whenever you know she goes and packs her bag. She's going with Tia, and she's like, "Oh, should I ask Big Madam about my salary? She worked <laughs> from I think I September, September to April, and he's like, "Girl, you got your freedom. Just like go after it. Like don't worry about it." And I was like, "Wait, huh?" So yeah. almost a year salary she should just not worry about. I was like, she could really benefit from half of this money, I'm sure, with her scholarship. I and mean, I think that, that's she's doing it. I think that's true. I just think that again, Kofi is like the voice of realism. I there's just no way she would have given her that money ever. She probably would have got a slap across the face, even asking. How could and she not ask? Oh, it's right. Just, and the it injustice feel, and it just doesn't feel like she has a leg to stand on with even going to authorities like i i'm i kept being afraid that someone would find out her name and somehow could they like figure out that she's actually married and like drag her back to her village or whatever you know like i i that would, actually never crossed my mind yeah i kept thinking minute, about that ha- i guess this could happen um yeah so i'm like you know what i'm on team kofi here i would just take the l and get the heck out of there and never look back that really i will say that literally shocked me where i'm like sir could you not (laughs) especially him he's you know he's collecting every month building right in ghana i'm like son yeah (laughs) anyways anyways but overall aduni got out of there I hope she does have this chance. I loved how, like, you know, she scratched her and the dude, or hers and Rebecca's name in the wall of the house. Yeah. Just like we were here, like you mm-hmm. know, like I might just be a blip in the time, or like you know, in this room of many servants that might come through. But like I'm here and I'm important. And I was like, yes, you are. Oh. Yeah, this would be a great book club pick for sure. Okay, well, now that we've wrapped up this one. I think what's next we've got Is Project it... Hail Mary which we have both been kind of chomping at the bit to read for a long time by Andy Weir he is the author of The Martian which is now a movie with Matt Damon in it and it, I read the book earlier this year and absolutely loved it um, it's a sci-fi adventure book basically 
I actually have had it by my nightstand. I bought it like <laughs> maybe three months ago because I knew that we were going to do it. And I really wanted to have to, like, like hold the physical book. So I'm so excited. I hope. Can another book live up to the hop of uh, Girl with a Louding Voice? I don't know. But I hope this one will be good in like a totally different way. Yeah, I think it will be. I've seen a lot of really good reviews of people who I respect their opinion. Um, and I'm going to listen to the audiobook. I think it's only on Audible. So I'm going to, oh. I got a credit, a special credit just for that. Well, that'll be a perfect, uh, should you read it or should you listen to it then? All right. Well, good evening. See ya. <laughs> Bye. Bye. If you're a One Page More fan, then I have a feeling you'll like the book story and podcast. Take a listen to this trailer from our friend Tegan. Hello, my name is Tegan and I'm the host of the Bookstorian podcast. I'm a book lover and bookstagrammer with a ferocious need to color code. I'm a drama teacher by trade, which also means I really love to talk. I have a constant thirst to talk about the books I've read and sometimes the comment box just isn't long enough for me. Join me each Monday as I talk to bookstagrammers about their accounts, why they created them, what inspires them and what tips they may have. We also discuss oh so many books across a range of different genres and yes there will be spoilers. I want to talk to people about the books they have read and that means we're going to talk about what happens in those books. Subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and follow me on Instagram at the Bookstorian Podcast.